Good morning. I'm glad that you're here to worship with us today and to open God's Word together. I want to start with just a very simple question. Wouldn't it be great if it was, if it was easy to do God's will? Wouldn't that be amazing? If it was easy for you to do God's will, I mean, it'd be amazing if instantly you could see the results of your obedience or your faith would never be tested or the lure of sin would never stain you or your prayers were always answered the way you wanted them done, uh, answered, or, or maybe, wouldn't it be great if the storms of life always passed you by? In reality, though, you know that that's really not the way it often happens. In reality, it often seems as if there is a, a mountain between us and God's will for our lives. It's interesting that in the Bible, the word mountain is used in several different ways. Of course, one of the ways it's used is it refers to a geographical location like, like Mount Carmel or Mount Sinai or Mount of Olives. Uh, a few times in the Bible, like in Ezekiel 36, the word mountain is used to describe the people of God, the people of Israel. But there's a third way that that word mountain is used in the Bible. Sometimes the word mountain refers in the Bible to a barrier, a hindrance an obstacle in our lives. Maybe you're facing one of those mountains right now. Maybe you're facing a barrier, a, a hindrance, an obstacle to, between you and what God wants in your life, between you and God's will for your life. Maybe God's called you to do something, but there's this mountain, there's this obstacle between you and what God has called you to do. And it looms in front of you like an impassable mountain. You can't get around it. You can't get over it. It's just there. It's, it's just blocking you. It's hindering you. It's frustrating you. Probably some of you here today have had times when you just wanted to throw in the towel because you can't get around it or over it. You just wanted to quit because it just seems like nothing is working out. And you're anxious, perhaps, and upset, and you become perhaps even very, very discouraged. So today, what I want to talk about is this. How do you face life's, life's mountains when the problem seems so large and you feel so small? In the Old Testament, there is a story of, of a man named Zerubbabel who wrestled with these kinds of questions and these kinds of, of feelings. And the Lord sent someone to him. The Lord sent a prophet to him named Zechariah with a message of encouragement. So I want us to open God's Word to Zechariah chapter 4. You say, well, my goodness, where is that? Well, it's in the Old Testament. And the easy way to find it is if, if you can find Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, go to the left, you'll find Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Go to the left one more, and you'll come to Zechariah. It's the second to last book in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 4. I love to hear the pages of Scripture turning. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. And while you're finding Zechariah chapter 4, let me give you the background. King Solomon built the first temple in the early pages of the Old Testament. He built the first temple. And when he built the first temple, the kingdom of God was at peace. The treasuries were overflowing. The workforce was huge. The people were excited Solomon built a large, beautiful, ornate temple of God. It was a wonderful time to be alive, a wonderful time to, to see the temple of God be erected there in Jerusalem. 
That temple stood for about 400 years before it was destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians who, after they destroyed the temple and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, they carried most of the people who lived in that city off to captivity in Babylon. After 70 years of living as captives and slaves in Babylon, they were eventually allowed to return back to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel was charged with the task of rebuilding the temple. But the situation was quite different than when Solomon built the first temple. Now, now there were few people in number. Their, their enemies were attacking them and opposing them. Jerusalem and the temple lied in, laid in ruins, and the resources were very, very limited. In fact, let me tell you how bad it was. You don't need to turn there, but in Ezra 3.12, describing those times, it says this, Many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, Solomon's temple, many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. And they were not weeping tears of joy. They were weeping tears of regret. They were weeping with a broken heart because the foundation of this temple seemed so small and inferior to what Solomon had built. I mean, have you ever longed for the old days? You know, in the old days, it was always better, right? In the old days, it was always bigger. In the old days, you know, that's what these people were doing. And as a result, God's people were discouraged. And they were on the verge of giving up. But beyond that, not only was God's people discouraged, but God's leader was discouraged. He was defeated. He felt like giving up. Zerubbabel, the leader of God, the man of God, charged with rebuilding this temple, was facing the constant pressure of the people, the older generation, who was complaining because this temple was nothing like the old temple. Zerubbabel, the leader, was faced with the pressure of constant, ongoing opposition from people around them who did not want the temple to be rebuilt, who saw it as a threat to the other kingdoms of the world. So beyond the, the nagging and the whining of the older generation and the constant opposition around them, and then just the, the trial of trying to rebuild a temple out of the rubbles of Jerusalem, Zerubbabel was depressed and discouraged. And in the midst of that, God sent a prophet to him with a message of encouragement. So now let's turn our eyes to the text in chapter 4, beginning of verse 6. So he said to me that God speaking to Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. In other words, this is what I want you to say to Zerubbabel. Here's what I want you to tell him. Tell him this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Zechariah's message to Zerubbabel contained three principles that encouraged him and strengthened him as he faced a huge mountain in his life. And maybe those same three principles will encourage you today. I hope you'll write these down. And here's the first one. When you face a mountain, realize your own limitations. Look what he says in verse 6. He begins in verse 6 by saying, here's what I want you to tell him. Tell him first of all this, not by might nor by power. God says, Zechariah, I want to make sure you communicate this to him. I want to make sure that he understands his own limitations. Now, in the Hebrew text, the word might, it refers to military power. It refers to what a group of people can do. 
And God says, you're not going to rebuild this temple by might. You will not rebuild this temple by military power. You will not rebuild this temple by a large group of people. Then he says, nor by power. Again, in the Hebrew text, the word power has the idea of the strength of an individual. Might refers to the strength of a group of people. Power refers to the strength of an individual. And God was saying to Zerubbabel, I want you to understand, it's not by the strength of a large crowd, nor is it by your strength. See, with their limited resources, and with that relentless opposition around them, rebuilding the temple must have looked like an impossible task. It must have looked like trying to move a mountain. And this great word of encouragement was this. God said to Zechariah, I want you to go tell him something, not by might nor by power. In other words, translation, listen to it, listen. Translation is this. Tell Zerubbabel he needs to take this off of his shoulders. Tell Zerubbabel his power is limited. Tell Zerubbabel he needs to let go of this and trying to do it on his own. Maybe that's a word of encouragement for you as well. Because sometimes when we face life's mountains, listen to church, human strength is not enough. Human ingenuity is not enough. Sometimes when you face a mountain in life, human wisdom is not enough. Now that's hard for us to accept because that's not what your parents told you, is it? You finish this sentence. Your parents told you this. You could do anything you... Exactly. Your parents told you that, and you probably have told your kids that. I know that I've told my kids that, and I've told them more than once. You can do anything you set your mind to. I've come to believe that's probably not a biblical response. Here's what I mean by that. There are times when you can't do it. You can set your mind to it, you can work at it, you can commit yourself to it, you can try your best, but there are times when the mountain is so large and you are so small, you can't do it. And that was the message that God had for Zerubbabel. You see, the reason that he had become discouraged is because he had tried, and he had tried, and he had tried, and he couldn't move the mountain in front of him. He couldn't make it happen. You see, Satan loves it when we buy into that lie that you can do anything you set your mind to. You know why Satan loves that line? It's because he always is trying to turn us away from reliance upon the Lord. He's trying his best to always get us to depend upon ourselves rather than rely on the Lord. So when you face a mountain, the first step is to realize your own limitations and stop saying, I can do anything I set my mind to. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes what you do is not enough. Sometimes what you do will never solve the problem. So it brings me to the second thing I want you to learn today. When you face a mountain, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verse 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You might want to underline that, but by my Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God can enable you to do what an army of people could never do. God told Zerubbabel, 
You are to operate out of my strength, out of my power, out of my resources, not out of yours. Hey, isn't that the same message that God gave to the New Testament church? Remember when his followers were ready to go out and and carry the message of salvation to the world? Remember what he said to them? He said, I want you to wait. You're not ready yet. Wait in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Because your resources are limited and you can't get over that mountain on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, whenever we face a staggering challenge in doing God's will, God's indwelling Spirit must empower us or we will fail. We need the Spirit of God to enable us to do the will of God. Man, you guys are missing some chances to put an amen in there. I, I remember an old professor that I had at Carson Newman College. Dr. Watson was his name. It's interesting, I don't remember anything that he taught me except for one thing. Now you have to remember, this was about 37, 38 years ago. So it's amazing that I remember anything that he said. But I do remember one thing that he said because he said it so many times. I got to tell you who Dr. Watts was. He was a a religion professor, and in his class was a bunch of preacher boys. I was one of them. And, you know, we were just young preacher boys who thought we could do anything. We're young preacher boys who thought we could do everything. We're young preacher boys who just thought we knew everything. And over and over and over that semester, Dr. Watson would say to us, and he was kind of like Jimmy Stewart, you know, he was, he was old, he, he was tall, he was slender, kind of talk like this, and he'd say over and over, guys, you just need to remember, you can't do the work of God without the Spirit of God. And he'd tell us that. And the next week, he'd say it again. So he'd work it in his lecture. Now, guys, remember, you can't do the work of God without the Spirit of God. We would just kind of laugh at him, honestly. Not in front of him, but later. We would we'd get into the dorm. Now, guys, remember, <laughs> you can't do the work of God without the Spirit of God. Not that I did that, but others would, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But isn't it amazing, 37, 38 years later, I still remember that? And now that I am a little bit older, and maybe a little bit wiser, I realize that maybe the reason Dr. Watson said that over and over and over was because maybe he just knew something we didn't know. Maybe he had lived long enough to really know you can't do the will of God without the Spirit of God. We were young bucks. We thought we could do it all. And he was trying to tell us, no, you can't. No, you can't. Maybe after years of serving the Lord, he had learned not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Now, this is important. You need to understand. It is essential to the work of God essential to the work that God has called you to do, that you work out of the resources of the Holy Spirit rather than out of your resources. 
If you're facing a mountain right now, maybe it's a mountain related to your marriage. You know God's will, but you just can't get there. Maybe it's a mountain related to your finances, and you know God's will about debt and different things, but you just can't get there. Maybe it's a mountain related to your health or, or a mountain related to your vocation. And, and you know what God's will is and you want to do God's will, but there's, there's this obstacle, there's this barrier, and you just can't seem to get to where God wants you to be. If you're facing one of those mountains, you need to understand you can't do the will of God without the Spirit of God. Which brings me to the third thing I want you to understand today. When you face a mountain, put your trust in the mountain mover. I I love what he says here in verse 7 and 8. He says in verse 7, What are you, O mighty mountain? This is God speaking to the mountain that Zerubbabel is facing. What are you, O mighty mountain? You see... God assumes responsibility for removing every obstacle in our pathway when we're seeking to do the will of God. Now, I want you to hear that again. When you're seeking to do the will of God, God assumes responsibility for moving the mountain that keeps you from doing His will. And so here's an example of it. Where God asked the mountain, What are you? Almighty mountain. Now, who was asking that question? Who said that? If you look at the verse preceding that, you'll see that the one who said that, he is described as the Lord Almighty. Look at the text with me. Verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says who? Say it with me, church. Says who? The Lord Almighty. And here's what the Lord Almighty said. What are you, Almighty mountain? You know what what God was saying? God was simply saying this. The mountain might be mighty in your sight, but it's like an anthill in my sight. What are you, almighty mountain? I mean, in front of Zerubbabel, the mountain looked large. But from God's perspective, he says, What are you, almighty mountain? You see, the mighty mountain might be big in front of you, but it's not big in front of God. I want you to understand something. Remember this. No matter what you face today, God is greater. No matter what you face today, He's still the Lord Almighty. And though it might be big in your sight, it is not big in His sight. God is greater than your mouth. What's standing between you and what you know God wants to do in your life? What's looming in front of you like an impassable mountain? Maybe you're anxious about it. Maybe you're upset about it. Maybe it's given you an ulcer. You're discouraged. You're defeated. You're depressed. You're seeking to do the will of God, but there's just this mountain that keeps getting in the way. You're assuming that that you can get over it, that you can get around it, but you can't. And, And now you're discouraged and defeated and depressed and... No matter what you face, I want you to understand something. There isn't anything that God can't remove if you're seeking to do His will. The old British preacher, C. Campbell Morgan, reminds us of the importance of divine enablement. He wrote this, and I'm just going to read it. It's a short paragraph. He wrote this. He said, if I were asked today 
to give what I think to be the reason for the comparative failure of the church of God in missionary enterprise. That is, the church at large, not a local church, but the church at large. He, he said, if somebody were to ask me about the failure of the church in missionary enterprise, I would say that we are terribly in danger of imagining that by our own splendid resources and resoluteness, we can accomplish the work. He said, if I were to ask today why the church is so weak and so anemic, he said, I would say this, it's because we imagine by our own splendid resources. We imagine by our own resoluteness. We imagine we can do anything if we just try hard enough. We can do anything if you just set our mind to it. And the truth is, you can't. Here's the way I think you should say it. Rather than say you can do anything you set your mind to, it might be that you should say to your children, you can do anything that God enables you to do. That's biblical. You can do anything God enables you to do. When you face a mountain, here's what you do. Put your faith in the mountain mover. Jesus said in Matthew You can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it'll go if you have faith. But it's not faith in you. It's faith in Him. What are you, almighty mountain? Now look at it one more time before I close. Look at verse 7. Before Zerubbabel, you will become what? Level ground. Before Zerubbabel, He's not going to do it, but it's going to happen in front of him. Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. You know this, but you need to be reminded of it. That mountain that's facing you right now, that thing that's standing between you and accomplishing God's will, you know this, but you need to be reminded of it. It's not by might. It's not the power of many. It's not by power. It's not by your individual strength. It's not by might. It's not by power but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And one day, it'll become level ground if you continue to seek to do the will of God and continue to trust in the mountain mover to make the way possible. Let's pray about that. every head bowed, I'm going to ask you a question. In your life today, in the things that you're trying to accomplish, what is there standing between you and what you know that God wants to do in your life? What is that obstacle? What is that barrier that's standing between you and what you know God wants to do in your life? That mountain may have a name, or that mountain might be an addiction, or that mountain might be a problem for which there seems to be no earthly solution. That mountain that you're facing might be an issue that you've struggled with for years. It might be that you're so defeated and so discouraged that you're, you're giving up hope that it could ever be better, it could ever be different. You want to do the will of God, but there's this huge mountain you're facing that's keeping you from it. Stop trusting just in your resources. 
realize that some things we can only accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit. And trust God to make that mountain level ground one day. Maybe pray this prayer right where you're seated. God, make this mountain level ground by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, make this mountain I'm facing level ground by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we recognize it's not in our efforts sometimes that we accomplish things. In fact, in our efforts, we often get frustrated. We often feel defeated and anxious. We often are ready to give up. But I pray that we will seek your will and seek to do your will. But we will depend upon your spirit to accomplish and enable us. God, remove the mountain. May it one day be level ground by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray.